Welcome to the Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Pluff. Each week, we will cover various topics that dads struggle with in their fitness journey. I'll give you actionable steps that you can apply right away, not only to take back control of your own health, but so you're able to be a better example for your kids too. Welcome in to this week's episode of the Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. Today we have with us Al Painter. Al has been on the guest on the, on the show uh, twice before, uh, so you can go back and find those, and I'll post those in the show notes as well. But Al, Al is a is a fellow coach, uh, somebody I've gotten to know over the past couple of years here, and uh, we we always have a lot of fun when he's on. And uh, I'm gonna let him I'm gonna let him introduce himself to you to you again, and then uh, we'll get started. Right on. I've been in this industry since 2001. Focus now is working with mountain bikers and keeping them stronger off their bikes so they'll have more fun when they're riding them. Awesome. Awesome. So that's me. Al, 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 yeah, yeah. No, Al, Al, Al is, um, uh, so Al's a 49ers fan. And so if, if you notice a little hostility uh, but between the two of us, uh, I'm a Chiefs fan. Uh, and so typically, you know, uh, I'm always kind of one step ahead of Al and he, he's trying to keep up. And, and so we, 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 we were talking a little bit before talking about football and things like that. So if you notice that, you know, the connection, the chemistry isn't great today, just understand that it's Al's fault. It's Al's fault, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> but we, uh, um, <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to be talking about something kind of fun today. Something we haven't really, I haven't really touched on much. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit about stretching, uh, mobility, things like that. And so I'll let Al, I'll let Al dive into that. And uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about all about uh, kind of the importance of it and um, maybe why just stretching alone probably isn't getting you where you want to go. It, it's a good thing to do. I think that, I mean, especially as we get older, right? I'm 52 now. So mobility work has gotten really important. I, I recently trained for the Idaho Senior Games. Senior Games. I'm only 51, dude. Senior. Senior. <laughs> I don't know why they don't call the Masters Games, but whatever. Anyway, because in, especially from the neck up, I'm still junior. Like, I don't even know if I qualify as a senior to race in that, that thing because of my maturity level or, more importantly, lack thereof. But anyway, I digress. Um, it's good to keep the muscles supple. Mobility training is huge. I learned after eight or nine weeks of what I did is I, I took one day away of strength training and I added two days a week, uh, additional days of the week on the bike. So I was on my bike five strength training two. That didn't work out well from the perspective of my hip mobility things. Race day, I had a really good day, luckily, but my body got a, a lot tighter. Right. And in the last couple of weeks since the race has been done, I'm gearing up to do a stand up paddleboard race, which I've never done before. And stand up paddleboarding is hard, man. And it is just isometrics from the rib cage to your feet, holding on to the board while you're moving your arms around. It's a hell of a workout. Yeah. I love it. It's great. But in these last two weeks, my hips have loosened up so much from being on that board rather than on my bike. Yeah. But. It's, it's, it's been a good balance, right? Again, because it's something new. So it's a new stimulus, which has kind of got me reignited right. to train again, because after eight or nine weeks of training for a single event, it's a grind mentally as much as it is physically. So right. that was hard. That was definitely hard. But I learned that the mobility component to training to ride a bike need to needed to go up quite a bit. 
So the last couple of weeks, I added in a lot more stick mobility stuff, which is kind of positional isometrics in a stretch position. You apply force. So your nervous system lets your joints know, hey, it's safe to be in this position. So we'll give you a little more range of motion, right? Because I think a lot of people think yeah. I need to get more flexible. I need to get more flexible. But what does that mean? What is, I mean, what is flexibility, right? I mean, is it the length of a muscle? If you made a muscle longer, you probably just ripped it off a bone, right? And if you weren't born with long, lean muscle, you're not going to develop that through stretching. And you just can't, right? I mean, there's fascia on top of the muscle. That has to be pliable for the muscles to go through greater ranges of motion. You have to have the strength around a joint so your brain says, hey, it's safe to be here to go through that range of motion. And I'm sure you know folks that train or they, they'll stretch every day that ends in the letter Y for about 40 hours and it doesn't work. They don't get better. And then you ask them, well, what else are you doing? Like, that's it. I'm sitting down behind a desk all day and I'm stretching. I'm like, well, yeah. that's probably why. Because you're not getting stronger. So you might feel some temporary benefit from the stretch, but your muscles aren't in a position to hold your bones as such to where your brain's going to let that be a normal thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, you know, riding the bike, obviously, you know, you're, you're in the same pattern, unless you're standing up on the bike from time to time, the majority of it, you're going to be sitting down, getting very tight. Right. Um, most of us sit down, even us, you know, we're, if we're working from home, we're training, we're, we're sitting down at a desk. Right. And, people kind of have this concept, like I have a, I have a, a, a adjustable desk. So half the day I'll stay in and things like that. But even that uh, people can still get really tight because if, if you sit in a poor pattern, what, what most of the day, once you stand up, all of a sudden your posture isn't going to be great, right? It's probably going to be better, but if you have tight hips sitting down, you're probably still going to have, and so you're, you're going to compensate. Right. And so, yeah, I think, you know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the word supple, earlier and I'm sure I'm sure you're familiar with but maybe the audience isn't with uh, Kelly Starrett yeah. um so Kelly Starrett does like the supple leopard and stuff that that's a, that was a very common but he's got some other stuff now I I really enjoy his content and everything he puts out there because he thinks differently right it, it's it, it's a lot differently than um kind of um yeah maybe just some of the normal you know hold the hamstring stretch for 30 seconds and things like that. Like he, he, you know, he talks about the fascia, just breaking it up and things like that. When you're, when you're working with clients, um, how do you, how do you fit in all of this? Right. How, how do you, um, how do you kind of make that a priority? That That's the toughest thing for me um, is with my clients. Like I, I start my, me personally, I, I started having um, back pain. Um, that, it's a, another story for another day, uh, when I was 16. And so I, I went through lots of different, lots of different treatments and stuff. So I, I have like hands-on experience with it, but when I'm trying to teach somebody, I think there's a fine balance between how, how do I continue to help them improve without overwhelming them? Right. Because if you do a Google search on my hips are tight, you're, you're going to be on the computer all day long, having no idea, no idea where to start and wondering if what you're doing is, what's best. And so how, how do you kind of balance that? Or, or what's the first thing you kind of have clients do to start improving the range of motion? Oh boy. I, <laughs> tell them to stop thinking pretty much stop thinking yeah. and start breathing more <laughs> because it, the, the sheer fact of, or act of just breathing alone 
you can release a lot of tension in the body and you'll move better. Mm -hmm. That really deep yeah. inhale through the nose and an exhale through your nose too. And listen to yourself breathing in a nice, I'm talking a nice full breath. Ideally your tongue's jammed up against the roof of your mouth where it should be when you're sleeping and your nasal passages are open, your, your throat airway passages are really open and you're just getting a nice rib cage expansion and contraction, rhythmic, right? You can do box breathing, four in, hold through four, release four, hold four, so do it again. You can inhale three, hold five, exhale seven, things of that nature, right? That alone right there can help somebody pick up a little more range of motion out of a joint, not exponentially more, but it's a good start. And then after that, I tell them, right. we're not going to stretch because your body's in a position right now because you didn't really do what you needed to do to make sure that it was moving better. So we're going to, we're not going to stretch in your warmup. I, I haven't had anybody stretch in a warmup in like, gosh, I don't know, well over eight years, if not more, five to eight years, just because mm -hmm. A, we don't have enough time. B, once they got done stretching everything head to toe, they had to do it again because their muscles got cold. And plus, your warm-up is meant to get your nervous system ready to move. So if you're on the floor stretching, you're not moving. And if your workout entails moving, you're not really doing yourself much of a favor, right? So uh, the easiest workout or warm-up is I have people, they hate it. My God, Anthony, they hate it with a passion. Even as of today, they were still asking me, why do we do this? getting up and down from the floor by right? Dan John's get back up series. So I'll have people depending on, on their fitness level, everybody gets to the point where a right hand goes on the left shoulder. You get up, go to the stomach, stand up, go to your right side, stand up, go to your left side, stand up, go down to your back and stand up. And then do I keep my hand there the whole? Yes. Yes, you do. But that's a lot harder. Yes. Yes, it is. Why do we do this? Because I want you to live longer. Right. So we know that statistically, the better you can get up and down from the floor as you take more laps around the calendar, the longevity numbers are in your favor. Right. So I have everybody that I train practice some form of getting up and down from the floor, whether it's like today I had some folks doing lateral stepping with exercise bands and then they went down to the floor for bridges, back up for lateral stepping, back down for a different bridge variation. And the person, one of the people I was training said, hey, wait a minute. We already got up and down from the floor. I'm like, yeah, now you're getting more practice. Well, but this is hard and I'm tired. I'm like, yeah, there's multiple sets of something in a workout. I'm sorry, keep going. But uh, I love it. That That is one of the best warm-ups that you can do, especially if you don't have a lot of space or a lot of time. Five minutes up and down from the floor and your heart rate goes up because that's a whole lot of muscle having to get a whole lot of bone vertical and back down, right? And then after that, maybe some bird dogs, maybe some dead bugs. Boom, you're ready to go. At that point, your body's warmed up. Your nervous system is primed, and you don't have to really stretch. You know, the only time we'll have someone stretch in a workout is if one of their glutes is just not doing what we want it to do. Then we'll do some hip flexor stretching, 20, 30 seconds aside, get back into the glutes. Hey, they work better. Yeah, we just kind of release a little bit of tension, so now your brain has a better idea of what's going on. Mm -hmm. I will typically have people stretch at the end of their workouts. And it's not so much for the flexibility benefit. It's more to bring them back down to steady state, back to rest and digest kind of thing. So they're more relaxed and their body's better equipped to go on with the rest of their day. They see it as a reward for all of the 
quote suffering unquote because apparently i mean the people right whatever but um, yeah. that's that's how i do it i'll have them stretch that or, or if somebody can't get into their back muscles on a pull we'll stretch a chest prior to using the back and, and essentially if one set of muscles isn't really giving you what you want stretch the opposite muscles and then typically you'll get a little more activation out of them yeah yeah, no, and yeah, I like that a lot. We, you're talking about kind of, you're talking with the kind of the stick mobility at the beginning with um, let, letting your nervous system know like th these ranges of motion are okay, right? And that's one thing that definitely helped me. I used to stretch all the time and I would be just as tight, if not tighter, right? But with that deep breathing you talked about, once I started incorporating that, where instead of just you know 30 seconds holding this stretch, if I focused on 10 solid breaths, you know, and then took a little break and then did two or three sets. I found like my range of motion increased significantly. I was more relaxed and I started doing this before bed. Um, and I found I was like, it was much easier to fall asleep. And I, I think a lot of times um, what happens is we, we do finish that workout and we're, we're kind of, you know, uh, we're in a heightened state of awareness there and we never fully come back down. We never fully come back down. And so we just have all this tension all the time. And if you do that, like kids can do that. Like when you were a kid, you know, your, your kids can run around and, you know, play and go play basketball and stuff like this. And they're completely fine. Right. You try and do that now. It's not going to work out. Great. I, I was at mm -hmm. the park with my kids the other day and uh, I jumped up. I was playing basketball. Or I, I literally jumped up once. I jumped up once um, uh, playing basketball with my son and, for two days, my knee hurt. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I, I was like, I jumped once. And I was like, and I was just like, I wasn't ready. I didn't know warm up or, you know, I just went and just jumped as high as I could, you know, and my, my knee was sore for two days after that and stuff. And it's just like, a lot of times it's just, we have so much tension. We have, so, and that, that's why, you know, like people can argue all day long about, you know, foam rolling, massage guns, stretch, you know, what's best. My, my view is whatever's going to get you to relax you know, increase your range of motion and something you can stick with for, for a long time. Right. Like I, yeah. I have, I have a massage gun. I, but I, like, I don't think everybody needs a massage gun. Like the, I, I think there, it's a great tool, but it's not necessary. Right. Like if you have access to some of these things, like Kelly Starrett, um, he, he has tons of different tools that he uses. Right. But you don't need all of those. He, one, one of my favorite ones from him is called the bone saw where you're down on all fours here and you put one calf, you put your, the shit, your shin bone of one leg on top of the calf on your other leg. And then you sit back on your heels. Oh, and yeah. then so you're, you're, okay. you're digging your shin into the calf there. And it's like, that, that's the, that's the best foam rolling you'll ever get on your calf. <laughs> and like you, you need nothing but your other leg. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think there's lots of different modalities that you can use, but I don't think any of them are necessarily, uh, like you need it a hundred percent. Well, it comes down to time too, right? I mean, right. I used my massage gun a ton getting ready for that race. And then after the main race, there was a uphill time trial. So I was out in my car using that sucker to bring my legs back to life after riding the course for the, the regular race. And it was, I don't know if it's placebo effect or not. It was probably more routine than anything else, but I felt better. And I've also got uh, a Milestorm Meteor, which is, uh, it's about the size of a softball. And it yeah, heats yeah. up to, it vibrates. It vibrates and, yeah, it heats up to about yeah. 120 degrees. Yep. 
that's a nice tool but they're not cheap that's the other thing with all this stuff that's not cheap right i mean no. a five dollar lacrosse ball works just as well as the other things just doesn't vibrate right. you know but i think that it, there's just so many things that people could do. They could roll out. They could use the massager. They could use a vibrating ball or a vibrating roller. But when do I use it? How do I use it? Why do I need it? Like, well, let's let's worry about the nuance later. We can get more granular later on. Right now, right. can you get in and out of a chair correctly? Because if you can't, you got some mobility issues. Are your hamstrings yeah. tight and your hips are in anterior tilt? You got that sway back? Yes. Well, don't stretch your hamstrings because they're already in a lengthened state of tension and you're going to crank on them that much more. You might not be doing yourself much good. Let's get into your glutes. Let's get into your lower abdominal wall and let's see what we can do about either strengthening or lengthening the hip flexors or, or just getting them more pliable. So your pelvis comes back into that more neutral position. Oh, and what kind of shoes are you wearing? Are you wearing a shoe where your heel is above the ball of your foot? Because if you are, you're going to have additional calf quad and low back tension throughout your day by sheer virtue of your body having to kind of pitch forward so ideally right. if you can get into something that's zero drop even better yeah. with a preferably with yeah. a wide toe box so your toes can articulate right yeah. i mean i had when we first got up here in idaho i had some snow boots that i could have worn on hot like they were mm. perfect for the snow but the way my body was pitched forward my low back got all kinds of angry so i got some yeah. zero uh, XERO shoes and yep. gone, gone. All the back uses I had were gone. I was able to get more power walking through snow, walking through snow uphill, using snowshoes, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was just my body in particular was not a fan of how the shoe positioned me. Other people can wear it, no problem, and have a great day. I, I couldn't do it because I'm just, I'm not, yeah. I am used to either being in socks, barefoot, Vibrams or or zeros or my Merrill trail gloves those are the shoes i wear like i can't even wear chucks anymore and i have a bunch of pairs that i love because the toe box is too narrow i wish they would make chucks with a wider box that would be yeah, wonderful yeah, yeah. yeah but that all comes back down to you know where my muscles position my bones in space i have trained and gotten used to a certain position and then when that changes i don't know my body's not happy with me Right. So that right. that comes back down to making sure that I'm hitting my diagonal loading patterns, which is the, the stand of paddle boarding has been great for that because it's a chop in a row every mm -hmm. stroke anchored by an isometric contraction in the core and the glutes. And oh, yeah, the intrinsic muscles of the feet as your toes grab onto the board. So you're already in short foot position and I'll go down even more and I'll get my big toe and I'll kind of pull it apart from the second toe. Yeah just so i've got that much more grip on the board and you know after i did it a couple of times my my glutes were sore the next day I'm like what the heck like my back muscles i could see my obliques even now you catch fire the next day after i do the rowing but they were used to being supported in, in a seated environment riding a bike and then when i had to stand up on something that was a solid surface but the what it was sitting on was dynamic, you know? And I learned the hard way that you've got to be positioned correctly or boop, you're going for a swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but it um, if you live in an area, folks watching or listening, and, and you've got a body of water nearby, man, I cannot recommend a stand-up paddleboard enough, just to, even just to go out there and casually 
row and just try to balance and stay on the board, man, that is some good stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned like your glutes being sore. Like when people, when people do uh, like work on like pistol squats, like just the dynamic stability it takes to do a pistol squat, like your, your glute knee, the side of your hip there is going to be on fire. And if you're doing it correctly, your foot might start to like twitch too. Like it's getting real fatigued because you're yep. not using those muscles. Right. And so everything like your foot is going to affect your knee, your knee is going to affect your hip. And what you talked about there with like your shoes and everything, that that's something that's not like now, like they're, I think they do. I, I've got a pair of the zero shoes as well. I have a pair of, uh, they're called Fayways, Fayways, I believe is what they're called. And then Withings as well, which is like an off brand or something, but I love them all. They're all zero drop, all zero drop shoes. And when I first started walking in them, I was like, Oh my gosh, my feet are sore. Like, cause I, you know, you're not, you're so used to having this arch and everything, but now I do it every day and I, it doesn't, it doesn't, I've, I go running in it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. Yeah anymore and i think when you're we're talking about stretching too one thing um like a lot of times like people will have like tight shoulders and uh we can have like that that rounded shoulder posture but sometimes and yes sometimes obviously it's from you know sitting at a desk our arms are here but if our pelvis like you talked about is out of alignment it not only affects the hips it not only affects the back but it affects everything upstream and downstream too right and so if our feet are really tight our ankles you know aren't going to have great range of motion there it's going to cause us to have tight calves if having tight calves is going to affect the way we walk it's going to affect our quads our hands so everything affects each other too and so that's why like stretching your hamstrings you know can probably help temporarily, but if we're not addressing the root cause of these things, right, it, it can, it, it's never going to get better long-term. And I think that's what's hard for people. I think that's what's, I think that's what's um, frustrating is that, you know, they are putting in the work, you know, they're, they're putting in the work. They just don't necessarily know where to put in you know, the work that's going to give them the best bang for their buck. Right. And so, um, if you're, if you're starting somebody on a stretching routine, they've got 15 minutes in the evening, their kids are in bed, they're watching Netflix or something. What would you have them do? You know, it's funny you should mention that because, um, recently I got, I started, I, I reread Tim Anderson's original strength book. Are you familiar with him? Uh, I think you've mentioned to him to me before. I, I have not read it myself. So his whole thing is we started on the floor as infants face down, right? And then we picked our head up and we kind of moved around a little bit to find out, hey, there's a lot of world to my left and to my right. And then from there, we rolled over. And then from rolling over, we were able to kind of move a little bit rolling. We've used our head to lead the way. And we developed all of the systems from the neck up that coordinate the rest of our movement that may have ended up in crawling to, whoa, I'm standing. Oh, right on. And then to that first step to what we all do now. So his whole thing is you can go into your brain and push reset with those functional movements that are hardwired into your brain that you did as an infant to get from your stomach to your feet. So, he has a lot of, of rocking and, and rotational rocking, rolling patterns of every kind, and crawling is a big one for him. And so recently, 
I've had uh, just some, I had a, a right hip thing that just wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. Then I read the book and I was like, oh yeah. So I did some of his drills and the gone. So one of the components in there is he, he talks about reflexive strength. And once you start losing reflexive strength, your body re, sort of repositions itself, paraphrasing as best I can. And you got to keep that reflexive strength nice and strong so your brain can send the right signals to get the muscles to move the bones the right way and put them in the proper alignment. And if you keep training those really boring, mundane, monotonous, fundamental movement patterns, particularly in a warm-up, you move a lot better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I would have somebody do some movement, just a little bit of movement, bird dogs, dead bugs, maybe some crawling on the hands and knees left and right. And then if they want to stretch and relax a little bit, you know, do the couch stretch, do go up against the wall and put your legs up, out, straight, you know, get the adductors, the middle of the legs there and, and the, uh, the hammies and calves. And then a glute stretch of some kind, either pigeon pose or put your, your knee up on the, the couch and kind of stretch out your glutes from there. And, no. you know, if somebody likes to do that again, if you really, really, really want to max that out, go sit in an Epsom salt bath soak for about 15, 20 minutes, then go stretch a little bit. If you got the time, if you don't have the time, then just go down to the floor and do some glute stretching, couch stretch, put your foot up on the couch in that 90, 90 position and maybe roll around a little bit. And that's, that's good. That could help. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's why I have a, I usually bring my, my foam roller out, out in the living room. Um, and I'll, I'll do a few minutes of that before I do some stretching and stuff, because it kind of like what we talked about, it helps me wind down a little bit, um, helps me kind of, you know, deregulate a little bit. Um, and then I'll do a little bit more stretching and I find, you know, I can get in, I can get in better positions, you know, and, um, and so that, that, that helps, that helps me a lot. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, GMB, GMB. They oh yeah. Gold metal body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have yeah, elements so I, and, uh, yeah, the, the rings yeah. program. Uh, yeah. El elements is, I think that's the one I have. I th I th I've tried two of theirs. I think that's the one I have currently. Um, it's fantastic. It's, uh, it's very challenging very challenging things like uh you've probably never done right and they're just like but it, it's it's very simple it's very simple um the movements are just hard to get into and i've uh um they i think they have like when you when you do the workouts you could do like a 15 minute 30 minute or 45 or hour or something like that um half hour is about as much as i'll do on most of them i usually try and do like 15 minutes um those 45 minutes those are tough those <laughs> getting well, in those I'm positions doing doing frog and monkey dude that's rough man. oh gosh yeah monkey are, is so yeah those are good i love that one meant to build handstand progressions but uh okay. oh god my obliques doing the monkey over to the side Yee! but the yeah. the wrist mobility yeah. stuff yeah. at the beginning oh right. so good yeah that, that's that's, yeah, and if you're not familiar, yeah, if you're not familiar with GMB, so what it is is it's a mobility program um, where it's all body weight things like that. But they, they have different positions. They have like uh, the monkey, they have the bear, they have the crab. They're they're all uh, a lot of them are animals and things. And then they have some traditional stretching and stuff too. But they focus on like four or five foundational movements, and you just keep getting better at those. And they like the first time you're doing them, uh, like. Uh, it, they're, they're very challenging and stuff, but yeah, like the, the bear, the bear is great. 
uh, the, the your posterior chain, my hamstrings, my calves really loosen up. Uh, the monkey, the deeps, I do one. I can't remember what it is. I just kept doing the same workout over and over again uh, to get better at it because it focused on like the, the deep squat. And then we did the monkey working on uh, also a deep squat, and, like the hips and everything. And then he goes into the bear after that. And those yeah, three, yeah. right, the, the crab one is tough. The crab one's tough. Um, but the uh, uh, those three right there, um, that like, I can do that in my living room. I can do that in the living room in the evening. Um, and I don't, I don't need any equipment. And so if I if I'm yeah. short on time, those one those ones are great. And so if GMB, if you if you want a more movement based program rather than just you know more uh, stretching and things like that, G, I think GMB is a great option. Yeah, that animal flow. Um, uh-huh. Who else? There's another really awesome floor based mobility really rhythmic flowing movement program. I don't remember which one it was. I think, see, now you, you hit the nail on the head because those are, there, there are a couple components there. One, you like it, right? And two, your body responds well to it. Right. So there could be people whose bodies don't respond. It's like with, with eating, right? What you can eat might give yeah. me inflammation and vice versa. So in, in regards to movement, it's like, I hate stretching. Well, don't do it, (laughs) you know, like you have to know a, what you're going to do because you'll actually do it, right. Remove that activation energy. Like in Sean Acor's happiness advantage book, he talks about the, the Mm -hmm. most accessible things are the things you'll do, right? So if there's a low activation energy to get started with something, the chances are you'll do it. If you like to do something, the activation level is a lot lower. If you don't like to stretch, don't stretch. If you like to stretch, stretch. That's the first part. The second part is what works for your body, right? Some people can stretch and stretch and stretch in their nervous system. Just like, eh, this isn't our jam, but you get them down on the floor yeah. and they start moving around and, and just doing a push, pull squat, anti-rotation movement uh, uh, components and stuff. Then they'll move better. They'll feel better. They'll get the range of motion they want as to where other people yeah. My, they might not get the same benefit, right? So you have to know your body and, and what right. it likes, because if you don't give what it likes, that's, you're just banging your head against a wall. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, David Goggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a couple books. Uh, Can't hurt me, never finish. But anyway, he, he, uh, he, um, a, a guy who came to the Navy SEALs um, kind of taught them a, a different stretching, um, technique uh, his name was joe Hippensteel, uh and he he uh, um i i don't know to be honest he's got ult- ultimate human performance i believe is his company but um to be honest i don't know a lot of people who have heard of him um i started researching him before and stuff emailed him back and forth he actually called me one day uh talked to him yes. on the phone and stuff and so i i did um i did his program and i still do his program um very simple very simple but his thing is he believes like most people um, probably need to spend more time doing some form of like stretching, things like that compared to like strength training, right? He was like a heptathlete or something like that and did all these things. Um, But anyway, the the basis of his program is he's got these different like foundational poses and things like that. And you hold it for two minutes, you focus on your breathing. You you don't go past like a seven in pain 
And then you do something called the dead zone for a minute where you kind of lay out, let the blood flow back in, and then do it again. There's six movements, six stretches, take an hour <laughs> to get through. And so it's, it's, a long, it's a long process. But in the evenings, I foam roll a little bit, I'm relaxed. And then I do this, focus on my breathing. I am in such a relaxed state then. Like it, it works really well for me. But if you already don't like stretching, you know, this is probably not, you know, probably not for you. It's kind of like um, uh, Romwad. I, I think they changed their name actually. I think it was actually based off of, um, they usually do, uh, it's the range of range of motion workout of the day. They changed their name to something else. I can't remember. Um, but it was based off like CrossFitters and stuff. But their program is very similar where it's like a 30 minute, stretching session you hold each pose for a few minutes some of them are like five minutes long but they have like calming music playing while while you're following nice. along with it and stuff and so it just kind of gets you in this thing and like there's all these different you know there's all these different ways to to improve it right and i know like what you do for yourself al is probably different than what i do and both 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 ways we get to where we want to go doesn't make one of them right or wrong way right? just like you said like if you don't like something if you don't like something you're probably not gonna stick with it right and so it, it, i think i think the most important thing is first find something you do enjoy and then optimize that to get you the results that you want yeah it, when i'm trying to to get somebody to to see okay you can move through a deeper range of motion with some contracting of some muscles so your brain's like yeah go ahead and do it right and then you know you're gonna get to feel that they don't you're getting most people i think they kind of they have to keep moving they just got to be moving got to be moving that's me right that's one reason why yeah. static stretching is hard for me is because the word static right you just yeah. you're still now something like um pnf movements or yeah. um Aaron Mattis, M-A-T-T-E-S, I think is his last name, mm -hmm. active isolated stretching, where you use mm -hmm. the quads contracting to stretch out the hamstrings and you release. Then you contract the quads as hard as you can to get that reciprocal inhibition. One side's contracting, right. so one side can release. Then I like that quite a bit. That works really well for yeah. me. But the other stuff, oh man, I'd rather be a Chiefs fan then try to static stretch. <laughs> that would be your that life. Would be, your life would be so much better. Your that would be less be annoying so <laughs> to be a Chiefs fan or Royals fan. Be less depressing than me. <laughs> Although they've got some dude in the Royals, <laughs> who's got he's got a sub two ERA over his last. Yeah. He, what was his name? I saw his name in the city. Some guy we, yeah, some guy we traded for for uh, a role as Chapman or something, right? Yeah, he's money, um, man. I, I, my, my, uh, so I spent, you know, 20 years of my life. Um, the Royals were the worst team in baseball. We went in the world series, went to the world series, 2014, went in 2015 and we're back to being the worst team in baseball. And now they're trying to get a new stadium and stuff. So it, it, it's been be, being a, being a Kansas city. Fan, I, I can't complain too much because the chiefs have been the best team in the league consistently for the past five years or so. And so, I can't complain. I can't complain too much, but you know, I, I, um, yeah, I think, I, you know, I think that would explain a lot as to why, you know, you have trouble just kind of sitting down, you know, being, being a 49ers fan. That's <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm telling you right now, like my, my back's starting to tighten up just thinking about it, but 
Don't worry. Josh Allen will get Mahomes in the playoffs. I, well, I actually, that's, that's assuming that Buffalo do. actually plays defense in the playoffs. I don't know what happens to that team from week one to now 17. Their defense yeah. is spectacular. I mean, yeah. Buffalo is just unbeatable. Josh Allen is just quarterback perfection, right? And then once the playoffs hit, and I don't know, it's because of the grind of the season just wears their defense down. They can't stop people. Yeah. I don't yeah, get they, it. Well, they, they, uh, I, um, I, I like Josh Allen a lot. I, I actually think – I think the Bills will win a Super Bowl before the Bengals do. Um, but I don't I don't know. I, I liked Josh Allen at Wyoming. Um, it, it's kind of revisionist history now because everybody's always like, everybody, oh, yeah, I love Josh Allen. Josh Allen's great. He's one of the top two, three quarterbacks in the league. And I was like – I liked him in college. I thought, man, this, this guy's going to make a team pretty happy. And then everybody just – he had a pretty bad rookie season. He came out in that draft with – Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen and yeah, yeah. all three of those guys and uh, uh, Baker Mayfield, right? Wasn't it Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. that year? And th- those three guys there, everybody uh, was kind of like, oh, he's a bust. You know, he's like, he's just this big dude with a big arm and stuff. And I was like, oh, I, I, there's something else there. Now, now everybody's like, I always knew he'd be great. You know, and I was like, nobody thought that. Nobody thought, he, like, but he's got a lightning bolt for a right arm, and he's a big, massive yeah. mound of human. He's huge. And he's fast, he's and he can put his helmet into a defender and knock the defender on his butt. The only yeah. thing is, is I think he trusts his arms so much, he tries to thread too many needles when he throws. Other yeah. than that, he's he's kind of the complete quarterback. Especially yeah. if you give well, him a good offensive line and a running game to support his throwing. Yeah, he. Uh, I think, you know, like Josh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, all pretty similar players. All pretty similar players there. Uh, I like them all. I like like Justin Herbert. If the Chargers could quit being goofballs with some play calling decisions and stuff, like they they could probably give the Chiefs a run for their money in the division. Um, but the Chargers for 15 years have never lived up to their potential. <laughs> they they went from Drew Brees to Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert, and they don't really have a lot to a lot to show for it there. And so, so I, and I think, no, but Trevor, one of my I, friends, I think Trevor Lawrence is fantastic. Yeah. One of my friends is a Chargers fan. They beat up on the Niners last weekend, you know, preseason game. And, yeah. you know, I got the obnoxious messages and I was like, <laughs> do they hand out the Lombardi trophy in August or February? And then thinking that would take care of the conversation. I got another one. And I was like, all right, I'm going to put the dagger in right now. So I went to YouTube and I got a little, Super Bowl highlight from when the Niners crushed San Diego, the, the then San Diego Chargers. And I sent that back and I said, if I remember correctly, this is what happened the last time your team was in the Super Bowl. Done, crickets. <laughs> that was, was it that for Dan that conversation. Was, was Fouts the quarterback? Uh, Humphreys, Bobby Humphreys. Okay. That's when Steve Young had a Steve, career day. Steve Young. And, well, you yeah, went from Montana to Young. I'm from Montana. Right? Yeah. Well, Kansas City did too. You went from Montana, well, Montana, Bono, and Elvis Gerback. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, you guys had Dwight well, Clark we, too we, for a we, minute. We had who? And didn't Dwight Clark play for Kansas City too? No. Clark didn't. No, he didn't play there? No. Oh, he did. We had Gannon. We had Rich Gannon. No. There you uh, go. <laughs> uh, uh, he, yeah, they, we had Rich Gannon and then went to the Raiders. But. Yeah, the uh, Chiefs have always had 
pretty good, pretty good talent throughout the years. Can't can't come. There's a few down years there. A few down the, no, the Todd and, Haley years were a little interesting, but I love Andy Reid, but I hate him because he's not the 49ers coach. Shanahan's good, but Reid is just he's like playing four-dimensional chess compared to the other coaches he coaches against. His schemes and the way he uses his weapons, oh, my God. It is exquisite. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think Reed, like, yeah, like, Reed, I mean, Reed had McNabb. He had uh, Michael Vick. You know, he had Alex Smith. He's, he's had a lot of good quarterbacks. Like, Mahomes, though, like, I, I absolutely love I, – I, I am going to enjoy the next 15 years because – it will never get better. Like this is the best it will ever get for the chiefs. Right. There, there's nobody like he, he is all he, like, he's the most talented. Play. Like I, I was at, so 20, 20, 2019 when the, when Mahomes had his first season as a uh, starter, um, the chiefs went to the AFC championship game. They played the Patriots. Tom Brady uh, was still on the Patriots at the time. I was at the game. I was up in oh, the nice. corner and, and I remember watching, I remember there was this play where, um, like the, the Chiefs ended up losing. It, the game was real close. They lost in overtime. They lost in overtime. Patriots win the game, uh, beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. But I remember thinking there was this play there where it was like third and short or whatever. Real windy day, so you couldn't kick a long field goal. Mahomes instead of throwing the ball away, took a sack, knocked us out. We we had to make a like a forty yard punt or something like some because we couldn't kick the field goal because it was such a short field. But I remember watching that game thinking, like. Mahomes, like we're we're neck and neck with him the entire game, but Brady was light years ahead of him with like how cerebral he was. He's coming up to the line, making all these changes and stuff. Well, year two, Mahomes comes in. He's up at the line making all these changes, and it's like his. That's what I loved about Peyton Manning. It was like he won the play before he hiked the ball. He was so cerebral and stuff. And Mahomes has the talent. He has like, and, and now he has like. You know the 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 smarts, the ability. You know the just to come and just like win the game with his mind. You you package all that together. Like we've never seen anything like it. It's it's crazy, and I, well, I'm just glad he's a chief. Like and you hit the nail on the head again. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons that Trey Lance is going to be wearing a Cowboys uniform is because he he <laughs> didn't have the experience. He didn't have the time or hasn't had the time to develop that pocket presence in that field vision to be able to see a few seconds ahead of the play either before it happens or as it's unfolding right i mean that guy's a tremendous athlete he's fast as lightning he's got a strong arm and he does have he's got raw talent it just didn't materialize in in shanahan's offense yeah and you know so now he'll be playing behind Dak Prescott, who's, you know, yeah. until you get to the playoffs, he's pretty good. He's not, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's good enough. He's good enough. It, he's, he yeah, reminds yeah. me of, like, he's like Kirk Cousins. You know, he's good enough. He's good enough. If things, if things you know, like, kind of like Jimmy G was, you know. It, he's not, uh, and to be honest, like, a lot for how Alex Smith was for years. Um, you know, he wasn't going to win you a lot of games, but they're not going to lose you a lot of games either. No, no. And, and Alex so, Smith like, was good, especially that. The year he had Norv Turner as the offensive coordinator, that's when he really blossomed. He had a great season with him. Yeah. But unfortunately, poor Alex Smith, that dude had a new boss calling the plays every, every season of his career. Yeah. Five, five coaches, five coordinators every – yeah, it was – Yeah, I mean, how that. are you supposed to get – 
to get into your rhythm and, and establish your presence in the pocket and everything else. You can't. You yeah. just can't. Well, and 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 what people don't realize, too, is the Chiefs had Eric the enemy for four or five years. Um, the past four or five years as offensive coordinator. But before that, the Chiefs had a new offensive coordinator almost every single year because they kept leaving. Uh, Matt Nagy left. Matt Nagy left. Uh, he, he took over the Bears. Doug Peterson left. He was the offensive coordinator. He went to the Eagles, won a Super Bowl. And, stuff. and so it's like uh, <coughs> even these teams that are playing well, you know, they lose their coordinator. So like Alex Smith, I mean, I, we'd have to look that up, but – I bet he had 10 plus, you know, like learning a new offense every, like that's, that's tough. Like that, that's really tough and stuff. And yeah, we, uh, uh I, I know you got to run. I know you got to run out. We're, we're going to change the entire, we're going to change the entire, um, um, the whole premise of the show here. It's, it's no longer going to be about health and fitness. It's just going to be about, <laughs> be about sports. Um, we can I like it. I'm in anytime for hours about that, but. <laughs> but no, I, I, I appreciate you coming on out. Um, where, where can, uh, where can people find you on social media and learn about, they can uh, find me at why it's so do hard to be integrate. a 49ers fan. No, stop it. At do you integrate across all of them? It's the same thing. Do you integrate? And that's where you awesome. can find I'll me. put that in the show notes. I'll put that in the show notes. And I know, I know you go to a lot of minor league baseball games. Yes. Uh, who's your uh, Who's your uh, professional team that you like? Um. Well, it's the Giants since I grew up in the Bay Area. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, okay. San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. 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 And gosh, they're. Yeah. <laughs> they. I hope they don't become irrelevant anytime soon. But that team. So case in point, Bruce Bochy and Texas Rangers came to town. I think they brought out the broom or took three or four from the Giants, two or three. And it, it yeah. Bochy managed on feel when he had the Giants, his gut, yeah, yeah. as opposed to analytics, 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 analytics. And I realized and that, they won that a lot. the Giant Kapler – They won a lot. He, yeah. You can only play the hand that you're dealt. And, and in all honesty and fairness to Kapler, he has not been handed a, a upper echelon starting lineup. You know, I mean, then he, he lost Buster Posey to retirement, and he just hasn't had that talent, as opposed to a lineup like Atlanta, where it's just one. I mean, what they have five guys starting the All Star game, Atlanta did, where I mean, yeah. one through nine, Atlanta is just. I mean, you got Michael Harris Jr. hitting eighth or ninth. That guy's at the bottom of your lineup. He is an incredible <laughs> player, and he's in the bottom of the lineup, right? Yeah. They're that talented. And another big part of that is their farm system, the Atlanta farm system, is top top notch. The Giants, when they won the World Series, their farm system produced uh, Californians at the single A level championships the a year or two before each World Series, right? So that meant that that uh, Buster Posey, Madison Bumgarner, uh, Lincecum, Kane, uh, Sergio Romo, Sandoval. Basically, every component, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, every component of their championship teams was coming up through their farm system. Yeah. They don't have that now. They, yeah. they don't have that deep, deep farm system that's producing that top-tier talent, like as much as it pains me to say, the Dodgers. The Dodgers do everything yeah. right from yeah. their rookie 
league and there's their A ball level all the way to the big leagues. Their system is just perfect. They churn out homegrown talent like nobody's business. And the Giants need to get their farm system back to that point. Once they get back to that point where they then have the blue chip prospects coming up to the system, but then they've got the blue chip prospects they can use in a trade, then they can get that talent. Plus that, that ballpark, it was built for one guy to hit 756 home runs. That was it. That short porch in right field. (laughs) He did it. He did it. But right-handed power hitters do not like that ballpark because it is not friendly to them. Right. It's a great pitcher's park. It is not a good hitter's park. That's a big thing. That's against them bringing in a really, I think, high-level top-tier free agent because of that as well. So Go get Shohei. Go get Shohei. You know, oh, God, and that poor guy. I think he has to have Tommy John, right? Didn't, didn't he, he – the UCL, he did something. I didn't see, I so, didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, he's still hitting, but he, he's not pitching the rest yeah. of the season. He could have gotten probably $600 million contract. Oh, yeah. He's still, he, he still will. He's, he's, he's that. But yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got a future you know, Hall of Famer on either side of the ball. Right. And that, see, this, this is why this is why they need they need to ask our opinion on these decisions because what you said about the farm system there, um, when the Royals won the World Series in 2015 and won in 2014 or went there in 2014 and went seven games with the Giants, um, in either 20 I think it was 2013, um, they won the minor league championship. So all those guys like Mustakis, yeah, yeah. Hosmer, all the all the you know what I mean? Like they kept a lot of those guys down there and the so they could go win, you know, they could go win uh, a minor league championship so that it would kind of prepare them for and then they all came up together. We won the World Series and then we got rid of a bunch of them. We used a lot of pieces to trade for other players that long term didn't we kept on the guys for too long and just it's the the farm set you got to you know what? We're going to bring this back to fitness here. If you have a strong foundation, you know, ah. things, go, things go a lot better. You can take the quick fix. You can make the trade. But teams like the Dodgers, you know, who are building up, things like that, you can, can con- consistently compete every year, right? Yeah, and I think this is why, and it'll never happen. And Whenever I bring this up, I get blasted from every different angle for the most part. (laughs) This is why professional sports in America need promotion and relegation because it would clear the clutter of all the teams that aren't really in to win. They're there to have their product and, and whatever the business model is. It would force them to actually put, to reinvest in their franchises to, to, max out their families like the a's the poor a's they have one of the most passionate fan bases in all of baseball yeah but the team on the field oh god no and and it has been for a while and their facilities are to and and that's what that's what's frustrating too is like you mentioned the a's the a's are the worst team in baseball the second worst team in baseball is uh the royals and both teams are about to get a new stadium right the a's are about to move to vegas the royals are trying to move downtown and it's like why why like and and you know like taxpayers are upset because they don't want to pay for these or the, the fans are upset because it's like you're not willing to invest in the product on the field but then you want people to pay for it like 
like when billionaires are asking, you know, like it and it gets into this, it gets into a whole other discussion there. But it's like there's no incentive, like there's no like baseball getting the first round draft pick in baseball. I don't know how much it means. You know, like obviously a lot of those guys work out and stuff, but it takes so many years, takes so many years to develop in the NFL you get one play NBA, right? You draft a LeBron James, you literally change the course of a franchise, right? In the NFL, you get that right quarterback, you get a Patrick Mahomes, you're set for 20 years. In baseball, you could get the number one prospect. He may be good in five years, or he may never see the field, you know? And so it's like, I I think some of the, it's just, they're all completely different. But a lot of these teams like, you know, the Chiefs, outside of a few years, they have always been pretty well run. And we got Patrick, we traded up for Patrick Mahomes from the Bills, by the way. He could have got, they, 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 they could have gotten <laughs> Patrick Mahomes. But um, well run organizations, well run anything, tend to do well, you know, through struggles and stuff. And the, team, the, the people that struggle, the people that, or the organizations that, you know, try and skip steps tend to, like, the, look at the Cardinals. They're about to draft their third quarter first round pick quarterback for this decade. And so it's like, uh, you, you can kind of tell when things aren't, aren't well run. But. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating as a fan because you see through it, right? The uh, teams that are run by the ledger rather than the trophy case, the fans see yeah. through that and they deserve better. Right. Yes. Right. Agreed. Agreed. Well, well, Al, Al, I, I, I appreciate you coming on. I know we spent the last like 15, 20 minutes there talking about sports, but that's okay. Um, that is, that's okay. It, it, anytime Al comes on, if you listen to the first two thirds of the show, you're going to get a ton of value. If you listen to the last third of the show, you're going to get even more value. And so, uh, I think so, <laughs> I think so too. And uh, we didn't even once mention barbecue this time. So I had to throw that in there, but uh, Al, as always, no, we and- definitely have to have, oh, go ahead. Yep. Yes. No, there's a, a, a barbecue place near my house called the Bodacious Pig. The sauce nice. is so good, you can drink it with a straw as a beverage. Uh, that's, oh, my that's God. It is so that's good. Yeah, I had a pulled chicken sandwich with the – oh, Brian. All right. Uh, oh, Brian. Anthony, I'm telling you, man, <laughs> it was one of the most exquisite taste experiences I've ever had because of the sauce. Oh, so good. All right. I just looked it up. Uh, Eagle, Idaho. I'm going to see if I can order some of their sauce. So, (laughs) Yeah, dude, if you can get it shipped. I'll try it out. Do it. I'll try it out. Do it, do it, do it. All right, man. Well, like I said, I appreciate appreciate you having me on. And you know know you'll be back on again sometime. So until then. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I love talking to you. It's always a good time. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We'll see you. All right, man. That concludes this episode of the Fatherhood Fitness Podcast. Thank you for those of you who took time out of your busy schedules to listen. If you have any questions or comments or an idea for a topic for a future episode, please feel free to reach out and I'd love to hear from you.